1: Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: There's this thing in us where we want people to acknowledge our greatness.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'm good. And I think the more that we teach our children, if you know you're good,
3: mm-hmm.
0: be good. People need to know, especially black people, like yes. we need to know compliance ain't gonna keep you out of trouble. Correct. That Correct. does not mean go wild out. Right. But at the same time, who you are is perfectly okay. It's enough,
1: right? It's It's
0: perfectly okay. Not only is it enough, it's powerful, Mm -hmm. right? It's powerful and it's magical. And like, there are things that only you can put into the world. If you don't take the stuff that is living inside of you and put it out into the world, it will not get put there. True. You do not want to go to your grave with your magic still stuck inside of you. 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 Stuck inside
1: of you. inside Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast. Bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while Black. If Black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything.
3: Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back. We're glad to have you here with us again today. You got Vince with you. Art in the building once again. I am straight up so excited about today. Now I know you hear me talk about our amazing guests but you gotta hear me when I tell you today This is an interview I have been waiting for for months and for months and for months. And I am so excited to have this conversation today. Mm -hmm. Because of my excitement, I'm not going to go through our normal banter back and forth. I want to get every, and I pronounce the hell out that, every (laughs) moment out of this interview that I can. Because I think this is such an important topic. So, today, we are sitting down with... Miss Nick Stone, the author of Dear Martin, and I could not be more excited. She is a Spelman graduate, Atlanta born and bred. She has a flair for hair, for makeup, and for super dope books, which she contributes to. So, with no more further ado, I want to welcome Miss Nick Stone to the Wild Black Podcast. Nick, welcome.
0: You know, I think we just, you need to come with me. And introduce me everywhere. <laughs> because that intro was magic. Hey, Hell yes, it I have a flair. You like that, yeah. I got a flair. I'll take it. It's <laughs> magic. It's the magic. This is what happens when you interact with black people. Like
3: I peep, there's a whole page. Right. There's a whole page where right. she takes the looks that inspire from books. And does it via her makeup? Like I found, I I did yeah. everything I could find. I also, note you hadn't posted anything for like 2018. Right,
0: I need to get on that. Yeah, gotta, so I'm working on a YouTube channel. Okay, that's attached to that particular Instagram. Right, um, that Instagram handle. But you know, you got you. I got, got kids. You got kids. You know what I'm saying? Like they, true story. They eat a lot of time.
3: True story. That's There's fun. only so much time they in do. the day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, a lot.
0: They do. They're. Uh, I have two, three. And seven, both little penis possessors. Um, <laughs> the little one is quite enjoying his lately. Uh it's 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 been a wild ride. <laughs> a lot of testosterone in my house. <laughs> but that's also why I write the stuff I do.
3: It's funny to hear you say penis that way, because I wonder did my mom talk about me that way? Because now she just calls me a dick. Like she has no qualm. Like <laughs> well, <you that's->
0: <laughs> lovely. <laughs>
3: I love See, my mom's penis. Penis ass. evolves to dick. It right. does yeah. eventually. Right. That's, what it, that's
0: what happens. <laughs> like, it, it's like,
3: cute at this age. Right.
0: You have a penis, you are a dick. Like, mm-hmm. that, that, it, it, there's it, a switch. It merges. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
3: Cool. Well, I, I was really excited, and I, I want you all to get an understanding really, really quickly before we jump into our Wild Black shit just why I was so excited about this conversation. So, the reason that I, Vince, Wild Black Podcast, was so excited to have Nick on the show today. It's because of her book, Dear Martin. It's a book you've heard me mention on multiple episodes here. And shame on you if you haven't gone and read it by now as much as I've talked about it. The reason I like it so much is because I have a 14-year-old son who lives in the white world in a primarily white school. And he is a six-foot-two, relatively strong young brother. And he lives with a father who has some very strong political views. And that puts him in a very unique situation in school, oftentimes, that he has to deal with some political landscapes, political landmines that I didn't realize existed until I read this book. So we got a whole agenda to go to. But if you wouldn't mind starting us off with just giving folks a very quick summary of Dear Martin.
1: Yeah,
0: so Dear Martin is a book. It follows a 17-year-old, high-achieving African-American boy um, who, after a really traumatic experience with racial profiling. Like, there's a night that he is trying to keep his ex-girlfriend from driving drunk. And in the process of trying to put her in her own car, a cop pulls up, decides he's up to no good, and arrests him on the spot. And in response to this incident, this young man decides he's going to start this journal of letters that he writes to the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., really to see if Dr. King's teachings hold up as he goes through, like, his daily life in now like in the 21st century um it was uh it was honestly i wrote the book as a form of exploration for myself right. um as the mother of two black boys right. i i wanted to know i needed to put on their shoes and figure out what the hell i'm going to teach them right. you know um my husband is wonderful but my husband is not american right. so he didn't grow up with the same kind of pressures and it's a very specific type of racism that we deal with here in the United States. Um, My husband is, his father is Nigerian and his mother is Russian, so he's biracial. You look at him, you just see a black dude, like a light-skinned black dude. And I know that since coming to the United States, because I met him abroad, since dragging him here and kind of plopping him here in Atlanta, which is like one of the last truly black cities. True, true. Um, I know that We've he has that. experienced some things and he sees things a little bit differently. But it's definitely going to take kind of a team effort for us to get our sons ready for the shit they're going to have to deal with. So that's really, yeah, and that's where mm. the book came from. Me, me wanting to figure some of this stuff out and put it on paper in a way that makes things a little easier to understand. Maybe not digest, but understanding right. is, is really valuable, I think.
3: Well, mm-hmm. I, I could not be more glad that you started that journey, right? Because outside of being super entertaining, it was the first thing that opened my eyes to some of the difficulties that my son may already be having. And then he confirmed, mm-hmm. right? I, I felt like I was completely blind to what he was dealing with in school yeah. until I read this book. yeah. So... We're going to get into the book a little bit more. I also want to yeah. talk about some of your newer projects and other things you're working on. Because I did not realize that Dear Martin was your first. Yeah, It was so <laughs> damn good. Like,
0: I mean, it's not the first book I wrote. It's the first one that was published. I can tell you gotcha. the first book I wrote was not good. And that's okay, right? right. Like, we you gotta all got to start something. Like, yeah, Michael well, Jordan was missing was jump amazing. shots <laughs> when he first started, you know? So, cool. yeah.
3: Well, listeners, you know what's coming. We know <laughs> yep. you love it, so... We're gonna jump into this wild black shit with Miss Nick Stone. <laughs> All right, you re- so so let me give you a little context. So,
2: wild black shit is like our signature, <laughs> our signature uh section okay. of of the, of the show. And what we do, we ask you three questions. Okay. And the last question is our signature question that we ask every single guest. Okay. Um, and they fun. So, you ready? Uh, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Black folks love some damn bacon, and it seems like we've taken bacon and incorporated food to the max. Chocolate-covered bacon, bacon-wrapped chocolate covered bacon, bacon wrapped chocolate dip crickets, bacon topped donuts. So, what is your bacon? <laughs> what is your bacon infused go to? And where do you draw the line?
0: Okay, uh, she's something like,
2: "I don't even eat bacon."
0: <laughs> bacon is <laughs> bacon is literally my favorite food. Bacon, there's a very specific type of bacon. She gets it
3: with the church finger, too. Mm-hmm. This is serious.
0: Do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, Black Forest bacon. <laughs> that is the, so good with the pepper. From the Whole Foods Deli, though, Oh. there's a very specific bacon sold at Whole Foods that I.
3: When something happens to your kitchen, you might say,
2: This is ludicrous.
0: And, and the shit is like $10 a pound. Like, it's like not cheap bacon. But it's worth it. But it is worth every delicious fatty bite. My bacon go-to, bacon-wrapped yeah. scallops. And then Bon Glaze is the name of this donut shop. And they have this. They, bo- they, all, they have candied bacon that you can buy by the strip.
2: Is this in Atlanta?
0: This is in Atlanta. There's one in Roswell somewhere. Okay, okay. Um, it's called Bonglaze. So they have candied bacon, they have spicy candied bacon, they have chocolate dipped bacon, and then they have a donut that's like a maple bacon donut. I can't get with the bacon donut. You can't? I can't. What is happening? I don't
2: know. It just confuses me. You missing it
0: now. You Your really are. Is, you, you, it's it like we need that like savory sweet. And it's oh. different parts of the tongue. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like it you have this of...
1: whole... At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures, Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: It's like an explosion of flavor. It is,
1: like, yeah, it is, because they're like one Bacon-y. part of your
0: tongue tastes savory, one part tastes sweet. So you're getting a whole mouth experience, literally.
2: You just had a bad experience with a bacon
0: donut. You got to have right. a good one. You need a good <laughs> bacon donut. Yep.
3: Yeah. Okay, I will give it a shot again. I love bacon. I love donuts. I ain't, just, I, ain't I ain't, been putting them together yet. Sublime. Yeah. As a
0: bacon donut. Sublime, Sublime. does have a... It, it's all right.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, 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 it's all
2: right.
3: The Sublime donut's. I need Sublime to Ease you into a, it because you ain't really ready for bon it. a bon glaze? glaze. Bon glaze. I like
0: the <laughs> bon glaze better than the Sublime. My thing at Sublime, <laughs> though, is the Orange Dream Star donut. Yes. That I was like real, donuts. Oh, you're a donut, right donut I you yeah. donut like you donut we, we don't... Me and my husband do not mess around when it comes to donuts. There's a new donut shop on Ooh. Howell Mill. <laughs> donut Dottie? Isn't that what it's called? Donut Dottie's? Dolly's, donut <laughs> dollies. I think it's donut dollies, and it just opened on Howl uh-huh. Mill. And like,
2: y'all are for real. Woo. Okay, wait. So, have you had tip top donuts?
0: I have not. How the oh, hell do y'all know? Like, I know
2: Shipley. So check Krispy Kreme.
3: Dunkin'. Oh, oh no, no, sir. No, we no. got to write you those, a list. bruh. Yeah,
0: you you got to go to Revolution. Listen, you there's you, gotta, there's,
3: there's you, a donut shop in Pont City where all the donuts cost five dollars.
0: That's, that's five Daughters bakery. Yes.
3: Uh huh. We yes. love
0: those as well. Chicken they are good, fluffy. I
3: struggle with the whole concept of one donut costing me now, $5. now. That's too much. That's too much. But I did. Well, see, so you no, know, listen, hold on. I yeah, agree
0: because this is what I say. Too much. There is something to be said. For eating for enjoyment. And that's something that I don't True. think we do enough as Wish. black people. Like, we're so... No, I mean, no. Okay.
3: Who got paid pay this light bill, but there's that, that donut. Right, right. But it's slab but I of I mean, ribs.
0: Like, <laughs> expensive food that is designed just to be enjoyed. Like, we don't okay. eat enough of that. Right. Like, I really love oysters. I love raw oysters. Mm-hmm. And can, like...
3: Yon-yon. My I just love
0: oh, They're so good.
3: Where does Krispy Kreme fall on the list for you?
0: Krispy Kreme's Chris- What? Oh man, Krispy yeah. Krims. Oh bro. Oh, I mean, bro. it just depends on what you're going for. Like if you just want like a nice so like you let me say, just if you eat you something heavy, fast.
3: You go to Krispy Kreme, right? If, if you, you want, want something quick.
0: If you want quick,
3: yeah, if you, you go want a to Krispy donut, Kreme. You know what you, it, you would go to Krispy, Krispy Kreme. Kreme. Like
0: oh dang, I I I just yeah. really got a craving real quick. But if you want to like enjoy yes something rich and beautiful and delicious. You got to go to Tip Top. You got to go. Oh, Tip Top. You so, go to tip, can top. you write that down, dear? Yeah. My husband's in the room, by the yeah. Yeah. way. Yeah. Tip, um, tip Top. Tip oh, Top. Yeah. We're got to go to Tip Top. Man. And they well, have a the blueberry fritter. Is,
2: gotcha.
0: Yeah. Okay.
2: So, so, donuts is. Got
0: it. Donuts, yes.
2: Third question. Signature question. The signature question. We question. What do you love most about Life While Black? <laughs> oh, man. You should see this look she just gave
0: us. <laughs> so many things. Yes. Um, you know what I will say? The one thing I do love most about Life While Black is the lack of sunburn. And I know that sounds <laughs> ridiculous, but my husband and I just came. We spent 24 hours in Tel Aviv. and
3: Listen, that's when you know you're balling. I I lay, that out
0: there. My, my husband is a Delta flight attendant. <laughs> she hit me with the this was again. a completely free <laughs> trip. Um, but we... We went to the beach, and I laid on the beach for, what, 25 minutes, and I baked to this beautiful golden crust, just beautiful, nice, rich, melanated chocolateness, and if I was white, I would have been red as a lobster, and I think that there's something to be said. I've Mm -hmm. gotten sunburned one time, and I, like... I'm so glad I'm black. I oh, yeah. never want to experience that again. It yeah. happened
3: to me once. It took me two days to figure out what the hell was yes. going on. it took me yeah, a minute, too. F- I, I was like, like why? why does this yeah. hurt? What yeah, is look,
0: happening?
2: Like, so this is, my experience was like, it was, it was, I was in the shower. And I was like, why is my back feeling this way? What is
0: happening? Right, What is What the
3: fuck is this? Yes. <laughs> That's how yeah, yeah, like, like, they feel with this, man. When they get slightly oppressed. Right. What is this strange
2: Feeling
3: that like, I have of unequal,
2: such like this
0: inequality, how dare you? And I happened to be—we were at—we were in Israel, so I lived in Israel for a few years. Um, my husband's mother is in Israel; like he lived in Israel for a decade before right. I yanked him out. Um, but we happened to be at her house, and she's Russian. So I think it wasn't it her that told me it was sunburn. I think it was her that told me, "Oh, I, you just have sunburn." And I was like, (laughs) what is this? I have what? Like, what is that? No, I don't get that. What do you mean? i have been like, is there a cure? What (laughs) what do you mean it's sunburn? I don't, this is, uh, that's not even in my vernacular.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have brown skin.
0: We 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 get darker. We don't get burnt.
3: Like, you don't, I don't burn shit. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That was a new experience. So, yes, Mm -hmm. the lack of sunburn is delightful. That is. And I, I mean, think, come that on. It's, quite it's a just gift, like I think. it is a gift. Mm-hmm. It is <laughs> Ooh. I'm, so we, oh, this is so bad. Um, my friends, my most like solid group of friends, it's a group of other writers, and we're all black women. And one of them uh has this theory that wrinkles on people who are paler skinned uh
1: <laughs> are, are
0: insufficiently a, are, melanated. in yes. Wrinkles are a form of uh, comeuppance for slavery. That's <laughs> <laughs> so why most like, of us don't have wrinkles. The, exactly, <laughs> the universe. This is how the universe feels about how you treated our ancestors. Line, 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 all across your forehead. I like that. Uh-huh.
3: So the more lines, the more the
0: more oppression there was in your blood. Person of not melanin. I'm
3: looking at folks different moving, right. <laughs> We we have, we have
2: mm. now proven that to be a scientific fact just because mm. it came from your from your mouth.
0: It, uh, well mm. through, through your, I will yes. be the messenger. You're gotcha. the
3: conduit here. Mm. Gotcha. Mm. Tell your friend we appreciate that. I will I will definitely right. use yes. that. That is now a law. Yeah. Cool. Maybe. All right, so we're gonna move into our dope quote, and the dope quote for us is the anchor of the episode. Okay. Right? It typically flows throughout the questions and the conversation. And today's is slightly different, but I pulled it for a very specific reason, so I'll read it. The world does not deliver meaning to you. You have to make it meaningful and decide what you want and need and must do. It's a tough, unimaginably lonely and complicated way to be in the world. But that's the deal. Miss Zabie Smith.
0: Genius, that woman.
3: Right, so... I'll tell you why I pulled it, and then I'll ask you your position on it. What do you think about it? So the reason I thought that was so important is because when I think about Dear Martin as a piece, I think about the fact that you wrote something to create meaning, to explain, and to help explain what's happening and the why. And it was something that had to be done, right? It was something that we needed to be done. I'm sure it was something that was tough because of the perspective you wrote of, you wrote from being a grown woman speaking about these issues. And I just felt like it was so, so needed, but also so very simply complicated at the same time. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I I pulled all that from that quote because that's the lens in which I want to talk from today. It is the, the must have, the must do that you felt inside to tell that story, even in like oftentimes some of the best things for us from a culture standpoint come from a place of selfishness, right? Mm-hmm. This podcast came from a very a very selfish place for me. Is I want to create a world that's better mm-hmm. for my children's sake, mm-hmm. right? So talk a little bit about what you thought about the quote and how it ties into the book.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's actually the perfect quote to attach to the book because throughout the book you have this kid trying to figure out his place yeah. and trying to find meaning in what he's going through and trying to figure out how to give meaning back to the world based on what he's been through. Yeah. Um, and I totally agree. And I, it's interesting if you think about, like I think about like life and how life functions and how inequality is not a thing that is confined to race. Mm-hmm. Um, my second book was all about sexuality. Uh, the third book is all about economic inequality. Like there are all of these ways That people find to screw each other over, basically. And figuring out, like you said, how to take what you have experienced and turn it around and try to do something with it. Figure out the meaning behind it and do something with it so that the world is better for, like you said, your children, same thing for me. Like I wrote Dear Martin for my children, Um, which is selfish, but not at the same time, you know? And I think that, I think that, with anything we feel a compulsion to create because the one thing that makes human beings different from every other member of the animal species is that we, we create for enjoyment. Like right. we're not just creating to survive. Like there's something about creating and connecting that is so inherent to being human that it's even the reason we look for meaning. I think. Right. I agree. Um. Mm. So I, I do, I do love that quote and it, I'm going to make you send it to me <laughs> so that I can I print it and stick it on the top of my computer. Um, yeah, as I move forward. Cool.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, you mentioned books two, three, and you've got a new book bro, Oh, boy. Right I have
0: so many books coming out. It's fantastic I, I saw. I saw exciting. when you, like,
3: you kind of unveiled on Instagram. Like, uh-huh. I have been watching you for a while. I, I, I'm not bullshitting. I've really been excited about this. This one. is great. So before we jump into the media interview, just tell the folks a little bit about Your other pieces,
0: man, your girl has been busy. Um, And it's funny. This all also goes back to the quote. Like, I feel this drive to create as much as possible because I am still looking for meaning um, for myself, for the stuff that lives inside of me and wants to come out. Uh, Mm. So I have a book coming out on October 15th. That one's called Jackpot. That's the economic inequality book. It's about a black girl who lives in, I mean, she's in like a diverse area, but it's very upper middle class. uh, And she's one of the poor kids. She works at a gas station. There's a night that she sells a lottery ticket worth a whole hell of a lot of money. Um, But when the winner doesn't come forward, she decides she's going to find this woman and she enlists the assistance of... The only person in the store when she sold a ticket, and he happens to be the richest boy in school. So it's wow. this collision of like having and having not. Um,
3: Can't wait to read that. Oh,
0: that one! That one was that one was, fun. that one was fun. What inspired that? That big ass lottery jackpot in 2015. <laughs> oh, okay. You remember okay. when you? Yeah. Remember it was like it like climbed and it kept climbing, mm-hmm. and, it, and everybody went crazy. I do. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and it reminded me of like my own childhood and like my mom who would put. All right, I got five dollars four going in the tank and I got to get this lottery ticket yep. and the way that the lottery functions, kind of how it highlights economic inequality um, and the sure. different ways that we think about money. Uh, so that that's really where that one came from. I'm excited about I'm excited and also like really nervous about it because it's definitely different from the first two books but I think everything I was like, with you
3: everything seems everything seems to be, seems to a be completely a different. different yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, January 7th I have mm-hmm. a it's it's the first book it's technically, quote, middle grade, uh, but it's like eight to 12 year olds. Yeah. And it's a book about racism because yeah. <laughs> I clearly like writing books about racism. <laughs> um, but this one is about a le- an 11 year old little black boy who goes on a road trip, an impromptu road trip with his white grandmother. Right. Um, as I mentioned, my kids have a white grandmother. Right. Um, and they, they drive across the American South, basically redoing this trip that the grandmother tried to take with her African American husband in the '60s, mm-hmm. and she, of course, never got to complete the trip because of all of the like terrible things and the the, the, the limitations there were right. um, on travel, especially not only if you were black, but if you were black and traveling with a white person. Right. Yeah. Um, and as they travel, he realizes that like the world was different, and yet maybe not as different. Right. And also, he realizes some things about his grandmother that. You know, it's it's very much a book about kind of coming to grips with the humanity of your heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's January 7th. May 5th has not announced, so I'm technically not allowed to talk about it. But I can say that black people will be very excited. Okay. That's all I can say about that one. Say, don't get in um, trouble. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Black, this so is an so give this us place. A, we like don't want a trouble.
3: nugget. Like black people will be very excited. Black people will be
0: very excited. They're, um,
3: Every book comes with a free donut.
0: And we'll just leave it at that. Okay. Superheroics. Superheroics, and black people will be excited. That's all you're getting. Oh,
2: I'm already excited. And then... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a new black superhero. What you out saying? There. What you saying? Yeah, yeah. Or a science fiction joint? <laughs> right, what? right, right. Yeah. Future. Like, okay. Because we do exist <laughs> in the future. Oh, we, do. we do. Everybody. Uh-huh. we in there. Yeah. Oh, really? boy.
0: Do I have stories about that whole thing? Black Ooh. people not existing in the future? Come on. Anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. oh. And then uh, October. Damn, you
2: you, you have been busy.
0: (laughs) I think October 9th of next year, the sequel to Dear Martin comes out. Really? That one is called Dear Justice. And that one is the flip side. It follows Quan from Dear Martin. Really? So, where Dear Martin was about the high achieving black boy kind of trying to wade his way through a very white Mm. uh, world, this one is about the kid who more or less goes in the opposite direction. Um, because I got a lot of, a lot of people have read Dear Martin. A lot of kids have read Dear Martin. And something I kept hearing from the black boys for whom Dear Martin was the first book they'd ever read, right. uh, oh, wow. they, they would say to me, we love this book. We love this right. hero. He's a hero for us, but, but what this about? not our life. Right. right? Yeah. Um, I have a pair of mentees, uh, Isaiah and Danny, and they, Like, tag team texted me one day, like, Nick, we need you to write our story. Like, Danny has, you know, he's been in and out of juvenile hall. Um, Isaiah is very, very focused on sports so that he stays out of jail. Um, They both come from these backgrounds where it's either you do well or you go to jail. Like, there's nothing in right. between. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And, and Danny is what, and it's not something that I hadn't heard before, but when I saw, when he texted me, like, we love justice, but, like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to 18. I was like, okay, so let's do that, that other side. Yeah. And so in this book, Kwan is writing letters to justice from jail because Kwan is in jail right. at the close of Dear Martin. Um <laughs>
3: you don't go very, very deep into him into the in the book.
0: Not really. Yeah, you're but not. you're about to really get to know that guy.
3: Because like you hear more about him if, if I remember. Because been early on, early on. In you the book. hear about like, yeah, and then because he's he's with Manny's family, right? Yes. And is that cousin? So son? he's
0: Manny's cousin. Yes, right. me, boy, go <laughs> Look ahead, at Vince. You, you. know Shit. it. You know it. So he meets, and then that's he visits. Just Justice myself. visits him. Justice visits him in yeah, jail. Yeah. Um. And from there, they forge this this relationship that you find out a lot more about in, in this next book. Listen, please uh,
3: stop bullshitting. Yeah. do get the book. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm excited. I want to share. I have bought, like, when I like, like, I'm blessed, right? Mm-hmm. We've all been blessed. So I found this book to be something that I felt was so needed. I, have, I don't know how many times I've bought the book. Yeah. It's probably, I mean, literally, I'm probably in the, in the 20th or 30th now, right? Because I just buy it and I send it off to people. Yeah. So... When I when I find someone with a child in the age frame that I think they need to have this book, as opposed to waiting for their parents to go get it, I'll just send them the book. Mm-hmm. So I send it to a friend, and her daughter has to write a, a paper to me about the book. And mm-hmm. one of the questions that came back from her was, she felt like, I'm sorry, listeners, this is a selfish podcast. I'm sorry. That's how we get just Right. Well just bear like, with they me. They know. I'll it is what it is. And I had the same question. Her question was, what's behind the name justice because yeah obviously it's a it's, it feels like a play on the oh, words justice and folks it's spelled with a y not with an i so it's a little bit different break down actually break down justice manny and uh jared
0: oh jared <laughs> so justice um it is a very on the nose play on words yes. uh every every time i've done this I've done it a few times, and it's worked every time I've done it. But, of course, I'm going to say this, and then, like, it'll be two or three people who do it, and they're like, this don't work. But typically, if you open the book and you find the word justice, the Mm -hmm. name justice, Mm J-U-S-T-Y-C-E, it should apply to justice as the concept as well. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, the book opens, the opening chapter of the book, you have this young man who leaves his friend's house at, like, 3 in the morning to go and more or less rescue His ex girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's gotten a call from this ex girlfriend's friend, who has told him, "I dropped her off at her car, and she's trying to drive home, but she's had way too much to drink." And And by the end of this chapter, yeah, there is. And by the end of the chapter, though, he's sitting on the ground in handcuffs, and you have justice. In handcuffs. And it's literally the concept of justice has also been arrested in this scene. Justice
3: was going to do the right thing.
0: Literally. And And he ended up in handcuffs. So Justice, the J-U-S-T-I-C-E, like as in Lady Justice, is also arrested in that chapter. Um, So, and interestingly enough, in the sequel, you have this kid. In jail, writing letters to justice, and like, Interesting. and he's, and in these letters, you Poor see him. Off in this thing. You know, Whoa. Very you gotta so. gotta switch it up on him every now I and then. See I see. Um, you throwing it in there, but it's important. This, this is kids though. consuming this, yeah, but. And that's the best part. Mm-hmm. And right? they're
2: consuming it. They're consuming they, uh, it. An and an it's getting in their heads, Right.
0: And I think we definitely underestimate kids. Yes. We underestimate. Yes, yes, yes. And I say that because the best questions I get about this book come mm-hmm. from like fourteen to eighteen year
3: olds. So oh, I got some of them
0: here. And they from just home. And I'd be like, okay. Like for instance, I had somebody be like, Yeah, I really like Sarah Jane and like SJ, that's social justice, right? That was like Damn. That was not deliberate, but it
3: works. I was. Like, I was like, I missed that, but that's
0: cool. I, and that wasn't on purpose. But that with Manny, really cool, especially Manny. knowing that character. Right, that exactly. Really cool. So, see, it's interesting. Like, there's so many things that come out of a writer's subconscious that you right. don't even realize are on the I page. I know I
3: asked about the characters. Before, do they explain the relationships between Justice, Manny, and Jared? Yes. So,
0: just- so, Justice, okay, Manny is kind of, if Manny is at the center, you have Justice on one side and Jared on the other. Jared is a, a very privileged, very rich very falsely enlightened in his opinion he thinks he's wildly enlightened and he is ass backwards um he grew up manny grew up with jared and justice started at their school in ninth grade so from ninth through twelfth grade manny has been very close with justice and justice is Manny's first african-american friend um and they're the only two black people in their entire grade level at this private school um so they have connected and they're really close and so manny ends up kind of stuck in between this black dude who looks like this dude who looks like him and is telling him yo the stuff your other friends are saying and doing is fucked up like you're not paying attention and then and then he's also caught in this like loyalty thing with the white boys, and Jared is one of those white right. boys. Um, so you see Justice and Jared constantly butting heads, and Manny just kind of being in the middle, um, trying to figure out where he's at. Right. Mm. And he does come to a realization. Um, so good, yeah.
3: Oh, Manny, so good. Jared to me, like the the way I described him to a friend of mine, because I read the book like as an adult, not even realizing like the, the target. Like I thought mm-hmm. it was great for me, but. I explained to folks Jared as sunbathed in privilege and completely Listen. misunderstood and misaligned with equity and equality.
0: I- he has no idea what the hell he's talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's in the sequel. And, like, you see... This isn't really a spoiler. Um, in the first scene where you see Jared and Justice in the sequel, SJ is also... So SJ is, Ju- is Justice's white girlfriend, and she's jewish they end up it takes him a while to even get okay like he's been interested in her and he's like developing mm-hmm. these feelings for her but he's not okay with them initially because his mama ain't going to be okay with it so he has to deal with the idea of liking um liking a white girl and then they wind up getting together
3: um listeners you're going to love sj
0: oh sj but in this in this scene where you see the three of them in dear justice SJ is going off on Jared as usual, but Jared at Yale. So Jared and Justice both wind up going to Yale and Jared has an incident where he gets a DUI and also has like a bag of weed on him Mm. when he gets this DUI.
3: That's some foreshadowing from the book itself. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: But because of privilege, as you said, he is sunbathed in privilege. He basically gets off with a slap on the wrist. Like his dad brings their lawyer up there.
3: Wasn't that the argument SJ presented to them? It was.
0: It was. Yeah. So you see Jared literally experiencing the stuff that was foreshadowed in the first book. And having to grapple with the fact that like nothing bad happened to him. And I think that like Mm. when you when you interact with Jared in the sequel, um, I'm interested to see what people think of him after they read him in the the sequel. Like he has not made this drastic turnaround that is unrealistic. Um, He's definitely learning some things. He has grown a good bit, but he's still Jared. Like he's still, you know, you don't turn around 18 years of hyper privilege in a semester at college, right, you know. Right, right, um, So yeah, he's he's an interesting he's an interesting Jared character. To that me guy
3: represents the younger version of the guys you see standing on a popular street corner with khaki shorts on, long sleeve white shirts, mm-hmm. and a slight pink hat with a ball of beer in their hand.
0: In their right. Sperry's. don't forget the spares. Yes, yes,
3: right. Is, with no worries,
0: Jared. no worries.
3: So, so.
2: As you talk about the characters, you have this amazing sense of how you develop them.
0: I what? mean, they're like real people to me.
2: Yes. Like, like Hell, me it, too. Was it anything that inspired you to have that much of a character development thought process as it relates to each one as an author?
1: Character, character
0: development is the most important thing to me. Um, mm-hmm. Because for me, books are about people. Um, every story that I ever write will be about the people that populate the story, not Uh about what's actually happening. Like the things are happening to people, not people being plopped into stuff that's already happening. Um, And I think that with, and it's interesting, every book that I write, these characters, they are people who live inside my head, right? And Mm -hmm. it's like, being an author is like the only place where that's okay. If I was, <laughs> right, if I was like a banker and I sat and told somebody, yeah, I just have these people talking in my head all the time and they just won't shut up. Like nobody <laughs> would, I think I, there would be some concern. But as an author, that's a thing that people expect. And it's a thing that, I'm okay with. And so a lot of the time before I write a story, a full-blown character will present himself or herself or their self to me. And they just get to talking. And if I don't write the story, they will drive me crazy. <laughs> so
3: that is cool. as Yeah, still.
0: is it cool or is and it creepy? A, a because I think there's a line and I'm like curtailed a little bit. Right? I, I
3: yeah. see scenes much the same way. So yeah, it's, it's, it's that's creepy, the gift cool in, to me. In, in in curse of being creative.
0: Yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. awesome, and and yeah. like I'm glad for it because like so every before I start a new story, I have a character template that is three pages long. Sing- no, it's two pages. Two pages single space, and by the time I fill it out, it'll be like four pages long. But it's got all of these questions that I will ask myself about this character I'm about to write a story about. Um, Because at the end of the day, once you have finished reading the book, I want you to feel like you know these people.
3: Right. Question. One of the the main themes, at least that I took from the book, was this this juxtaposition between I'm young, black, I'm good, I'm confident, I'm positive. Along with this other side, like I'm young, black, and I'm bad, right? Mm -hmm. How do you not, I don't want to ask how you came up with that, but I think it's something that a lot of our young black brothers and sisters, our young black queens, kings and queens deal with.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: How would you advise them and their parents to help them figure that out? Because there's a lot going on in the media and society, consciously, subconsciously, that puts us in a very negative light and puts that weight on us. How would you advise managing through that?
0: Know thyself.
3: Mm.
0: Um so my my kid's first grade teacher is an angel I think uh, her name is Leslie Byers um and I we I love her so much we went to lunch a couple of weeks ago um because she is just she is brilliant as a person and as a teacher and she values connection over compliance in her classroom and as we were at lunch she was telling me that she has an African American colleague who has two sons and this colleague came to Mrs. Byers and basically was like, I need you to stop doing your classes the way that you do them. Like, Mm -hmm. if I don't teach my sons to be compliant, they're going to run into trouble. And as a black mother, while I hear that, I also don't think it's good for us to teach our children to be compliant. Because at the end of the day, compliance does not keep us out of trouble.
3: Correct. And it reinforces the It reinforces, exactly.
0: Exactly. It reinforces the system and it it crushes us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it crushes yeah. our kids. Um, one of my favorite books uh, is "The Fire Next Time" by James Baldwin. Yeah.
3: The James introduction. Baldwin is the inspiration
0: listen, for this podcast.
1: Yes.
0: James, listen, Do not get me started on James Baldwin. The introduction to that damn book, there's like one line where, so he's writing this letter to his nephew, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is the inspiration, the introduction to this book. He's writing this letter to his nephew. And he basically says like, who cares if they call you a nigger? If you're not, why does it bother you? Right. And I think that that's a thing that we need to get a better grip on. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, can't nobody white tell me shit. Amen. I'm doing great. Right. right? You, I have been followed around bookstores that have my book with mm. New York Times bestseller <laughs> across the top on, like, a center table. And I had a manager, a bookstore manager, literally follow me and a friend around the store. Like, bitch, you think I'm going to steal books? Like, I I can... I write books. <laughs> I write books. Right. Matter Matter fact, I got seven books in my hands and I'm made about to go pay you for. you money. That's
2: me right there. Right? right. <laughs> like,
0: I'm good, boo. Like, I... Like, but, you don't but
2: even know. You, have no, you don't and, even know. And
0: I'm okay with that, mm-hmm. is the thing. You don't even know. And yeah. I, mean, I think that initially... It was a struggle because it was like if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a big
1: Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive.
3: Bada b-ba at participating McDonald's.
0: You there's this thing in us where we want people to acknowledge our greatness. Mm-hmm. But I'm good. And I think the more that we teach our children. If you know you're good, mm-hmm. be good. <laughs> you no,
3: know that's like, I even add, I, I want to teach our children that, but I also want to teach our children to recognize the greatness in other children. Who absolutely. Like yes, right? they're, absolutely. They're unity. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: I, mean, I
3: like what you said. You said connection over compliance.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really important really- thing. Mm-hmm. I, people need, people need to know, especially <laughs> black people. Like yes. we need to know compliance and going to keep you out of trouble. Correct. That Correct. does not mean go wild out. Right. But at the same time, who you are is perfectly okay. It's enough, right. it's, it's perfectly it enough. okay. Yes. It's Not only is it enough, it's powerful, mm-hmm. right? It's powerful and it's magical. And, like, there are things that only you can put into the world. And this is something that I I, I visit a lot of high schools and middle schools. And something that I tell these kids is if you don't take the stuff that is living inside of you and put it out into the world, it will not get put there. True. You do not want to go to your grave with your magic still stuck inside of you. Like Mm -hmm. how many buildings don't get built or stories don't get written or Mm -hmm. songs don't get sung because somebody was afraid to let the stuff inside of them out.
3: Even more, how many people don't receive the gift of the blessing that they were supposed to get because it was supposed to come from you? Right, if you oh, never shit. put it out
0: there. That's like next level. <laughs> so
3: check this out. I'm
0: just not tucking that one in the pocket.
2: <laughs> that's deeper than just for, for, for kids. That is shit. Adults need to actually recognize yeah,
0: too. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's a narrative we all need to represent it I and agree. actually think about. It. Ah, yeah. I love that. I love that. And
0: mm-hmm. I think it's something important for us to understand. Approval by white people does not define our success. Right. Like, we are so conditioned To feel like, okay, well, it has to look a certain way. The approval has to look a certain way. A certain set of people have to, you know, buy into what I'm creating. And, like, it's just not true. You know, like, there are different levels of success. Success looks different to each individual. And, like, I've actually been struggling lately with um, just the knowledge that when it comes to readership, Mm -hmm. right now I have to build one. Because... I'm not writing for 14- and 15-year-old white girls. Right, They exist as readers, and you can stick something into their hands that is like something that they've already read, and they will read right. it. I don't write that stuff. I write, a lot of the times I'm writing books for kids who don't even realize they like books yet. Right. So...
2: Yep, not even been exposed. It's like
0: you books. don't even know right. that you... And, it's, yeah. I, and I love interacting with the kid who... Oh, this is a good story. Um, there's a young man named Jabari who lives in Indianapolis, he will be a sophomore in high school this year. When he was an eighth grader, he had to read Dear Martin. And I get this message from him on Instagram. He like slid into this little 13-year-old, slid into my DMs. <laughs> and he said, he's Yo, good, miss. You're, yeah, he's all he,
3: off. Like, How can I even reach out? I'm trying to get
0: him. Oh, so, no, so. yeah, no. It wasn't, I was not close to DMs last year. Gotcha. Um, so he slid into my DMs and he's like, Yo, miss. And I love it. Yo, miss. Yo, I started reading your book, and it's real good so far. Oh, okay. Oh, he's inspiring. I appreciate you, young man. And I said, well, hit me back when you finish. So he finished it, and he he writes me back, and he's like, Yo, miss, that's the best book I ever read. I mean, actually, I ain't never really read a book before, but <laughs> <laughs> I really like this book,
2: Will You Come to My School. Oh, that's so dope.
0: And so I went. I flew to Indianapolis, and the catch was that in order for me to come to his school— he had to be the person to interview me in front of his peers. Oh, and I, I show love up. That. And this young man, he got on his jeans and his Jays, but he wearing a button down and a bow tie. He just was fresh. Ready. He was ready. Just fresh. Yeah, was, and he, watching he him, wait. yeah, watching him blossom in front of his peers and like take charge of this interview and take it seriously. That is what I do this for. Like that is that's the so reason dope. that I am doing what I'm doing. I mean, just, it's just it, Come and on, like the kids. That's that's all I care about. Right. I love you, grown people. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. I well, yeah. don't actually care what you think about my work. Well, I know that shouldn't. sounds terrible, but
3: I mean, you know your audience. You tune with from your my, audience. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. I write for. I write for a very specific audience Mm -hmm. and I want to create readers like that is my entire goal in all of this is to create readers and to increase literacy in our community. Um, Because, you know, and you see what happens, right? Like I have a I have a friend in Nashville. He's a white dude, straight white dude. He's one of the few straight white dudes I actually like. Um, His name is Jared. Believe it or not. <laughs> has, Did I you actually, meet him after I met you wrote? him way after okay, and I okay, got a message good. from him? He was like, I just want you to know I hated my name the entire time I was reading your book. <laughs> but he started this initiative in his classroom and it has grown to this nationwide book club movement mm-hmm. called Project Lit. Mm-hmm. But he saw that and he worked in this in an urban area. He saw that just by letting kids That's read books schools, that they like. Right? This is in schools. He was working in a high school. It's in, it's, um, school. It's in it's, schools. Yeah. It's yeah. Here, there my, are a few project in the reading Exactly some project lit schools and clubs here in Georgia. Like, they're all over the country. But it came out of this group of kids who he just let read whatever they wanted to when they came to his class. Right. Their scores went up. Like, everything, like, and I think 98% of them are headed to college.
3: That is so awesome. And it's all
0: just from reading. Like, just from having access to books that they connect with. That's what's important to me.
3: So I want to ask a question about the book again. Yeah. The teacher, I forget his name. Doc. Right. Like his role is not huge, but it matters so, mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Like in and out of the classroom. Where did that come from? Mr. And what Weeks. was your intention with him?
0: Mr. Weeks is where Doc came from. Mr. Weeks was my English teacher, uh, sophomore and junior year. This mm-hmm. is a class. Both of his classes, both of those years... I think sophomore year, I was the only black kid in the whole class. Yeah. This was like gifted honors, 10th grade language arts. And then junior year, um, there was one other black kid and it was a boy. And Mr. Weeks is a white dude. And he he's still a teacher. He works at Northwood at high school now. The Dear Martin is dedicated to him because he is the teacher who actually gave us the space to think. I find that in a lot of school settings especially in English classes you don't really there's no chance to like put your own spin on what you're reading at least not right. 15 years ago when i was in high school right. um but but having an opportunity to tell you what i think the red cup on the table means instead of you telling me what it means Nigga, how you know you don't know what it means right. you like the author <laughs> <laughs> you, you, like so many English teachers, it's just like no the it's red like cup, right? Like red you, cup. oh oh you're yeah. the grand authority on the red cup in in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh that means that he was thinking. X, y. First of all, as an author, most of the time we don't mean shit with the red cup. It's just this is <laughs> this is the thing I saw in my head. Like that show want to be down. deeper than
3: you are. Stop. You're just cry.
0: relax, right? <laughs> but what readers take. From symbols in books says more about them than it does about the author. And Mr. Mm. Weeks was one of those teachers who pointed that out, you know?
3: I loved it. This book touches on so many important topics like bias and racism, mental illness, interracial dating. Like there's so many different themes throughout (laughs) this book. As someone reads it, what is it that you want them to walk away with primarily? And which one of those many themes that you cover bubbles to the top.
0: Page 152.
3: Holy
0: shit. (laughs) The first two sentences.
3: Jesus. That's the whole
0: thing, like the entire book can be summed up. Oh, no, I I have it in my head. Okay, you can't control how people think and act, but you're in full control of you. When it comes down to it, the only thing that matters is this. If nothing in the world ever changes, what kind of man are you going to be? That's the whole point of the whole book we have so little control yeah. over everybody else and everybody's thoughts and everybody's feelings. What kind of person am I going to be, no matter what people think of me, mm-hmm. is really the heart of this book. And it's what I want people to take away, right. um, is is the idea that, like, you still have to decide who you're going to be, even when people are not, great, not good to you. Right. Um, when you are a victim of racism, when you... The, the test score scene in Dear Martin. Yes. I pulled that out of my life. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a scene Ooh. in Dear Martin where justice has gotten into Yale, early action. Jared, who we discussed, yeah. uh, got deferred. And Jared.
3: That scene stuck with
0: me. Listen. And Jared, this person who this whole damn book has been talking about racism doesn't exist. I'm not a racist. Racism's not real. He literally says, you can't tell me he didn't get in because he's black and I'm not. hmm and so they sit in this classroom and they start discussing their qualifications, their test scores, their GPAs. Mm-hmm. And Justice actually got the higher ACT score. Mm-hmm. Jared is so stunned, he doesn't even believe him. Mm-hmm. I pulled that from my life. My wow. senior year of high school, I was having a similar discussion with this white girl who sat in front of me in AP language. And my ACT score, my ACT composite was two points higher than hers. And she looked me straight in my face. And that's said, the disparity in the
3: book, too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. 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 She looked at me and said, There's no way you got a higher score than me. Cool. Has stuck with me forever and it will continue to stick with me. We, Especially we since she follows me on Instagram now. It's great. It's Watch me work, bitch.
3: <laughs> you should send her a message. Every motivation. There. Two
0: points. I'm like, how you doing? Right. What are you? Oh, are you unemployed? Oh, it's mm. <laughs> unfortunate. Make sure you buy my new book.
3: I want to be respectful of of time, so I don't want to keep you much longer, but I want to ask one more question about the book and then one short one about just inspiration in general. Okay. The book is called Dear Martin, Mm -hmm. right? And there's a very, very obvious tie. You already talked about justice writing letters to Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. Where did that idea in itself come from?
0: 2014, Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, Missouri. Mm -hmm. The Black Lives Matter movement kicked off. We know the hashtag was born when George Zimmerman was acquitted. That that motherfucker. Anyway, but the Black Lives Matter movement kicks off in Ferguson. You've got these protests that last a very long time. There was a point where it was illegal to stand still for longer than like 40 seconds or something. Um, And everything's going crazy in Ferguson. These marches and protests are kind of spreading across the country. And I kept hearing these prominent public figures saying shit like Dr. King would be appalled.
3: Get so frustrated at
0: that. What? Yeah. Who Dr. King are you talking about? Right. It was Kasim Reed that mm-hmm. pushed me over the edge. Mm-hmm. Kasim Reed is the former mayor of yep. Atlanta. Yep. There was a march planned somewhere downtown. I can't remember, I can't remember when it was planned for. It was sometime in 2014. And Homeboy said, like the he fixed his mouse and he said, <laughs> All I ask is that you don't take the freeways. Dr. King would never take a freeway. Sir.
2: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light.
0: Let me pack up this DVD of Selma and mail it to the mayoral office because Dr. King took a lot of freeways. So noticing or coming to realize how many people have taken Dr. King's legacy mm. and sanitized the shit out of it.
3: Right, they take the one, one little aspect of who he was and we just gloss mm. over yeah, everything And us. that's all we teach, too. it Don't we go, Right. We're going to gloss
0: over the fact that he was in and out of jail. Mm-hmm. We're going to gloss over the fact that, like, his assassination was not the first attempt on his life. Mm-hmm. Let's gloss over the fact that he Correct. was, like, number one on the FBI's most like, watched list. That is, Let's is he, gloss over all of He had a conversation with Harry
3: Belafonte where he talks about, I fear I've led my people into a burning building, right? Dr. Keene that they talk about was not necessarily... All of Dr. King. He no, a, he at right. all. We, yeah, we no, could have no, a whole no Absolutely, on that. you're Man. so
0: right. Even the civil rights movement, the civil rights movement was more incendiary than Black Lives Matter Absolute could ever true. be, absolutely. and that's the so thing that true. people like. It, we're so we get so caught on the good things that were are yeah, accomplished yeah. We, that it's like oh we re, we remember we think it's past the end but we right. don't remember the means yes. so that's really where the idea to write to Dr King came from. Um, I just got irritated by seeing people quote him in ways that I'm like bruh come on it, and the quote would be the right quote you are just applying it to it's some bullshit. Yes, right. It's
2: it, it th- this is what I call that. That's like you applying a very strong message in a fucking weak way. Ooh,
0: I like that. Yeah, dude. When when um the vice president, because I have Voldemorted both of those motherfuckers. Um, Voldemort as in he who shall not be named. Like hey, we don't that. we don't use those <laughs> names. Uh, but our current vice president, the day after MLK Day. No, it's the ass. day before MLK Day. Gets on and they're talking about this damn wall and he quotes Dr. King. I was in an airport. If I had not been in an airport, I probably would have broken something.
3: You want to punch him in his mouth? Oh hey, my gosh! Boy,
0: I yeah, yeah, no. Nah. So, so yeah, Dr. King making sure that people understand yes, and, and also understand that applying his teachings the way we're told we're supposed to don't work. Yep, it, it's not, and that's not what he meant.
3: Well, and mm-hmm. the flip side is. It works perfectly Go for the their intention on keeping us mm-hmm. in this position. Yes. Yes. They, they take every advantage. So you If you would just file.
0: act like Dr. Yeah. King, and so I have this kid. Okay, I'm going to act like Dr. King and see what happens.
3: Right. Do you really want me to act like Dr. King? Because more than well, likely, you don't even know Correct. You want don't me to act the way the, you
0: think he would act. So right. that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to act the way that I've been, in, I've been taught to, to interpret his actions. Well, like Dr. Dr. King also said, we're
3: coming to get our check.
0: Listen. He also said that it's important that that we start looking a little closer. True. At Dr. King's legacy Mm -hmm. and what he really stood for and what he meant when he said certain things.
3: Completely agree. Yeah. Well, I want to ask one last question. There is a lot of pressure out there, just in general, and and with that comes diamonds, right? So there are that means there are a lot of people out there who have been through some situations that have helped them to find and identify the story inside of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: How do you suggest they go from pulling that story inside to the out so that we can then consume it and learn from it and benefit? How do they start that journey and follow the things that you've done?
0: The first step is going to be facing the ugly things. Okay. Um, with Dear Martin, it was not an easy book to write. Partially because I had to face ugly things ugly elements of history, but then also because, like, I had to face some ugly shit in my own life. Like, that test score thing. I didn't want to look back at that. Um, So, first, getting to a point where you recognize that bad shit has happened to you. Right. And then the next step, of course, is deciding that you're not going to be a victim anymore. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. It's fine to recognize that bad things were done to you, but then you got to take your power back at some point. Right. And I think that, for a lot of us, I do, I interact with a lot of kids who, but miss, like, they always hating on me. I, I hear you, young man. I do. And I know that they are always hating on you. But, like, what are you going to do about it? Like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Are you going to let that us. stop you? Yeah. yeah, right. Like, you you can't let it stop you. And so once you figure out, number one, what you want to talk about, and two, the fact that you actually do want to talk about it. For me, the next step is always like coming up with an actual story like I do not do I don't write autobiographically on purpose, like it'll trickle into some into my work. Um, But I like taking stuff that's happened to me and putting it into characters that aren't real, because honestly, it helps me understand myself better and. It will also, it's like you're looking at yourself in third person in a way. Um, So my suggestion is to write a novel as opposed to, I mean, look, if you want to write like a a book of personal essays, you could do that. If you wanted to write a memoir or an autobiography, you could do that too. But there's something very powerful about novels. It gives people an opportunity to kind of take a step out of reality Which, believe it or not, I think helps things set in a little bit better because you don't have this wall up. You don't have this guard where you're trying to protect yourself from things that are real. So if you can say to yourself, oh, well, this isn't a thing... That has happened, and then later on, you find out that it is, and it shifts your perspective. But like your perspectives were shifting while you were reading this thing, right. and you didn't even realize, yeah, you realize it. it. Yep. You're just like, "Oh, I'm enjoying this really great story." Like, oh my
2: god! Right, yeah, I feel right. Differently about this whole thing now.
0: Like, oh, okay, right. Um. So yeah, I'm really big on outlining. Like, I think it's important to to figure out figure out the story you want to tell, and then figure out how you're going to tell it. Right. Um. I'm really methodical in my personal writing process uh so i always have an outline like i said i do a character template (laughs) i do an outline a character template and then i will start writing based on that outline and then the publishing process is a bit excruciating and terrible but you have to have a little it's terrible i mean if you want to self-publish it's one thing and it's definitely a viable way to go i don't want to do my own marketing and i'm certainly not trying to publicize myself Right. so I went the traditional publishing route which will require a literary agent so then like that's your next step after you've completed a work is to find an agent John. and the process there just Google query process because you need yeah. to you got to like get your work in front of different agents and then they are the people that put it in front of the publisher and eventually it's on a shelf I made that sound so simple
3: <laughs> I understand Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand so I apologize I hit it down that created Two questions. Can I ask two more? Of questions? course. Okay, great. Um, so you, you talked about the outline and, and knowing your character. Mm-hmm. When you start writing, do you already know the end?
0: Every time, I cannot start a story without knowing the end.
3: I feel like I feel like I can't contain all that in my head. Like,
0: I mean, there's a lot that gets fleshed out. That's why you write, and that's why I write the outline, because right. I don't have to remember. It's just like you have this. There's this TED Talk. Elizabeth Gilbert...
2: I love TED Talk. ...is
0: a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, she wrote the book, the book Eat, Pray, Love. Yep. She has a new book out. But she did this TED Talk. If you Google or go on YouTube and you look up Elizabeth Gilbert Genius, there's this TED Talk where she talks about the creative process and how before the Age of Enlightenment... Um, and before we human beings decided that we are the supreme beings in the universe, mm-hmm. I don't know where where the hell do we get that idea? Um, <laughs> there was a time when creativity was looked at as this like gift, mm-hmm. like, and the genius was a thing that would come into your head. You did what you were supposed to do with it, and then it would go out. Right. And that's and it completely changed right. the way I look at writing. So with the outline process, it's like the genius comes in. I bust out the outline. And then the genius goes away. And so I have to continue to refer back to the outline in order to huh. write the story. Because uh-huh. I don't actually remember I can, I what's going that. to come next.
3: I can, I can understand that. Right? I have to jot stuff down. Yeah. Once it, it hits it, you, it's
0: gone. It, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, poof, it's gone. Does the
2: outline re-inspire you as you're writing?
0: It just reminds me of where I need to go next. So then, uh-huh. the then there's like a different genius, I guess, that comes in and does the actual fleshing out. For me, writing is very... Nebulous, Like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Like, I can tell you the specific processes and, like, do A, then B, then C, but I can't tell you how to tell a good story. Right. Like, I can't tell you, like, how to form a sentence or where do you add in suspense? Like, I can't do that. I have no, and I don't even know the secret. It's just this thing that, like, okay, on page 15, I see that I need to add X. I don't know how the hell I know that. It's just a, a, I don't know.
3: I completely get, so... The real last question.
0: Uh-huh, he you,
3: says. <laughs> you <heard> "This so <laughs> many times. You, you are a content creator, right? You put information, thoughts, and ideas into the world with the hope and the expectation and the goal that they impact someone who's receiving that information, right? So I want to step away from books because I don't feel like that would be a fair question. I feel it, it might put you in a precarious situation. So I want to change it mm-hmm. and say, if you are a songwriter or if you are a singer and you knew that, for two minutes or three minutes, you could have the attention of any audience that you wanted. Every single one of the people who fall within your criteria of an audience hear everything you sing or every word that you wrote. What would you call the song? What would you name it? Shit. Who would the audience <laughs> be? And what would you tell them? Like, I didn't want to ask in book form because you got book ideas going already. I don't want you have to give the thing away, but song.
0: The audience... Would be my seven year old son. He'd okay. be the only person in the room. Nice. And the song would be called You Can Do Anything. And that's, that's it. So dope. That's all I care about. Is my children, my cause my three year old wouldn't get it. He would run off. But the seven year old, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he's at the place now where he would look at me and he would hear everything I'm saying and he he would take it in. I love I'm singing that. everything I'm singing and he would take it all in.
3: That's awesome. Cool. Well, Nick. What's the next question? That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. That is it. The last thing that we'll say is we always love to hand the mic over to our guest to close out the show. You can tell the people anything it is that's on your heart to share with them. Plus, share your contact information where they can find you, things Mm -hmm. like that. And listeners, as you know, I'll have it in the episode description for you as well.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah, so Nick Stone, I am at Nick Stone, N-I-C-S-T-O-N-E, on Instagram, Twitter, don't bother. Because I hate Twitter. If you really, 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 really want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Nicked. G-E-T-N-I-C-C-E-D. And I'm only at Nicked because the white man who has the Nick Stone handle won't give it to me. Um, <laughs> the oppression. Damn white people. Um, <laughs> 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 no, he's actually, he's a nice guy. And he does use it for work. So fine. <laughs> uh, and the last thing I will say to truly close us out is, friend, you are magical while black.
3: Thank you. Mm-hmm. beautiful Wild Black we out we yes. out another dope one <laughs> who needs an alarm
2: in the morning when McDonald's has sausage egg and cheese McGriddles
1: and a breakfast cut off ba da ba ba ba